From serving as a firefighter in the Air Force to becoming an entrepreneur and starting a nonprofit, Jason McLaren shares his story how preparing for emergencies is something most people take for granted. My favorite thing that he said was, if you're any kind of leader, don't compromise your integrity. Stay tuned for his incredible journey. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. Today, my guest is the amazing Jason McLaren. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Jason and I met, <laughs> we were just laughing about that just a week ago. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we met through a group and then you came on my show and now we're here. Yes, and I'm just so thankful that you um, have such an amazing story and nonprofit and business, and we're going to get into that. But, you know, really thank you for taking time to be with us today. Well, thank you. Pleasure's all mine. So for those of you who don't know, Jason McLaren is a former Air Force firefighter turned safety and emergency preparedness consultant who, after following his childhood dream to be an airman, was thrust into a tailspin after a tragedy struck his family. After his departure from the military, he has dedicated his life to public safety, emergency preparedness, and volunteer service. He has gone on to launch a business and a nonprofit organization that aids first responders and military personnel. His consulting firm, Jason McLaren and Associates, foster transformation by providing emergency preparedness consulting services to create excellent engagement cultures for companies in all industries. To make an even bigger impact, Jason inspired change to co-found Go Heroes Incorporated, a nonprofit that develops activities for first responders and veterans, providing them with skills and knowledge that will best suit them for their future roles. You can find more out about him at jasonmclaren.info and that a website will be in the show notes. And so again, Jason, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and being here today. And I always like, yeah, I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Definitely. Thanks for that intro and thanks for that question. Yeah. So, you know, my whole life growing up, uh, investing in people has been kind of my, my mantra, my background. And, and even in the military, you sometimes find it difficult to invest in people because you've got certain criteria you have to meet. And especially in the air force, uh, as soon as you get out of basic training, you have your tech school and then you have your, when I was in a call, like continuing courses that you had to take in order to keep your certifications up or get the next certification that they didn't have time to teach you. So I was, I was let, let down on that part. My first two years of the air force, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I was the dirtbag airman my first two years. Mm. And I got to Lackland Air Force Base, and I was one of only a few handful of military guys there, and the rest were civilian firefighters. And I was assigned a civilian supervisor, and he kind of was really laissez-faire, kind of show up to work, don't get in trouble, be on the truck when it rolls out on an alarm, and that was about it. And coming from my background, I had no one investing in me growing up. I had to try to dig my, dig my own trenches and, and you know make my own way. And so this was just, you know, I was basically sitting there like a free paycheck. Mm. And I learned from that, though. I got to my next base and I had a captain, a civilian captain there, take my hand and said, 
you know, what's the deal? Why don't you have all these certifications? You've been in two years. You should have had, you know, four or five things done by now. So he really, he really got me down and, and, and made me bunker down and, and get those certifications done. And that's kind of how I learned how to be a leader myself, you know, and investing in my troops that came in after me. And even, even things as far as putting them in every class I could get them into, you know, if I, if something came up, I'm like, Hey, you guys are going to go to this, you know, and they would, they might say, well, I'm not done with my other stuff or I don't want to go on my day off to do that. And, you know, luckily being military, I was like, well, it's not an option. You're going to go. Uh, of course, now in the civilian world, I've had to kind of tweak my leadership style a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I give them the option and I, you know, I try to pr- provide them a resource and then say, well, this is how it's going to help you in your career or help you with your goals you want to re- achieve. And that's one thing I do. Uh, if you look at my resume, I've moved to a lot of jobs after the military, just climbing the ladder. I got out and I was back at the bottom of the totem pole. And so and investing in myself personally with my degrees and my training. But once I got into everything and started leading people again, uh, that's the first thing I do when I take on a new role is I sit down with all my, t- my guys and I say, well, what are your guys' goals? What are you having challenges with? How can I invest in you to make sure we're meeting those goals and challenges and also making the company succeed or the department if we're in a, in a larger industry? And it's worked out really well. Um, like you mentioned in the, in the bio, uh, my full-time job, I work for a, a 24 hospital system in the North Texas area. And I run all their safety programs, anything from fire safety, life safety, hazmat, emergency preparedness uh, for all those 24 hospitals, then have my consulting company and the uh, the nonprofit, which I'm sure we'll talk about some more. Absolutely. And I, I love what you said. You You said that you didn't really have anyone who invested in you. And so that kind of led you down a road of, you know, not making good choices. And then all of a sudden you found, you had influence, you had a mentor or someone like poured life into you and that really redirected you on a different path. Definitely. Yeah. I grew, I grew up uh, with a single mom most of my life, no male influences. So uh, everything as far as motivation, I had none. It was just, you know, my mom was like, go to school, make sure you're on the bus in the morning and, and try to pass. And, uh, uh, you know, I, it, I even tell people, you know, even college, you know, nobody really told me how to prepare for college. So I kind of just was taking random classes my first semester before I joined the military. What did you, what were you, what were your goals in going to college? What were you thinking you would do? At at that time it was, uh, you know, I wanted to do something air force or aviation. And so I was just taking like random aviation classes and really had no degree program or plan. Nobody told me about going to academic advising or you know, anything like that. And so I was just kind of making it up as I go. And of course I didn't pass hardly any of those classes because I didn't know, I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to do certain things. And so uh, I, f- I went to my fallback, which was going into the military. And uh, went, like I said, it changed my life and, and, and uh, saved me from a life of just, uh, you know, doing something I didn't want to do. So, mm, Great story. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, our listeners are, are people who have gone through something and they get on a track and they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I love that you just really kind of went with your second idea, which was really your first idea. <laughs> right. And you really yeah. trusted yourself and said, Hey, why not go down uh, the military route? And it ended up being extremely beneficial for you. So I love that you did that. What, uh, how long were you in the Air Force? 
I was in seven years. Um, and kind of going back, uh, it was my first and second. It was my first for me. It was my second for my mom. You know, she was like, you need to go to college. So I gave her a semester and I, like I said, I didn't do very well. And I went to my fallback and, and enlisted without her permission. I, you know, I was 18. So I could do what I wanted to do. Uh, waited for her to leave town for a week, went and talked to the recruiter and got everything taken care of. Went to the recruiter, didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, of course I did terrible in the ASVAB cause I didn't know what it was. And I had very limited career options and kind of just fell into firefighting as a going in as a general, uh, general contract and got firefighting at, at basic training. Mm. Uh, of course, great career, great career path. Everything worked out. Did seven years, planned on doing 20 and retiring to teach ROTC because I did that. And that kind of helped me in my high school as far as being uh, the new guy. I went to five different high schools in four years. So I was always a new guy. <laughs> and and yeah. if you've seen any movies or anything like that with the new guys, I, I was that stereotypical new guy. I always getting pushed around by the jocks and all that kind of stuff. So JRTC saved me from, you know, all that anxiety. But um, I wanted to get back and give back and, and, and be a JRTC instructor. And, of course, you have to be retired. So that was my whole plan. Well, in 2006, my brother passed away in December of mm-hmm. 2006 in a, a tragic car accident. Uh, like I said, my mom was single most of our life, and that was her baby boy, and she took it really hard. Sure. So once I talked to my commander and, and her doctor, we kind of made a mutual agreement that I would uh, leave the military. And uh, so that's why I relocated to Texas and, and started working down here and, and kind of cut my career short, and uh, which was in my bio, like you said, and kind of just been uh, climbing the ladder ever since. Wow. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. And it was a, really a catalyst to allow you to start your own business and the and the nonprofit that you're doing. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, it was a tragic, but, you know, it came to, it became a treasure. Definitely. So tell us about that, uh, your business and what you do with the 24 hospitals. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I do mostly life safety, hazmat and emergency preparedness. So. Uh, being in the healthcare industry, there's a lot of regulation and, and regulatory agencies. So what I do is I make sure that we're on the cuts, uh, cutting edge of all that, making sure that we're meeting all the standards and regulations and keeping up with emerging trends and, and best practices. As you can imagine now with coronavirus, uh, there's a lot of changes almost daily on metrics and laws and, and standards we have to meet. Uh, so that's kept me pretty busy. On my consulting side, I do the same thing, but more for nonprofits and smaller businesses and small uh, medical facilities that can't afford a full-time uh, per, a full-time employee for that. And so a lot of it is working with uh, smaller nonprofits that just need a little bit of help in that, that field and kind of, you know, making sure that they're meeting all those guidelines as much as they can. Some examples are like uh, small autism centers that have maybe 20 staff on there but they still have to meet a lot of the same medical requirements. And so we'll go and provide them training with emergency preparedness, life safety, and then working with other nonprofits such as veteran organizations that want to do five uh, K's or, or 10 K's or marathons, making sure they have an emergency plan in place and helping them manage that plan from the beginning of the, the event to the end of the event, making sure that everything, all those T's are crossed and dies are audited and making sure that there's not any, anything going to happen there. Uh, that is mitigated and then, you know, making sure any hazards are mitigated uh, for that incident. You know, we've seen like the Boston marathon bombing. Obviously that's a huge, that's a huge scenario. 
but we don't want something like a little 5k in this little town of Texas, you know, to turn into a tragedy with a, you know, even there's been parades where the, the veterans have been on truck trailers and get hit by a train, that sort of thing. We want to try to mitigate anything like that before it happens. And that's just one kind of sliver of what we do. Uh, we can also do, you know, pre-planning, you know, go into their facilities and make sure that, you know, their life safety plans are accurate or their, you know, their facilities safe for people to come in and, and congregate, you know, once COVID is out. Uh, and we've been reaching out to some of them now uh, to kind of see how can you reopen safely? You know, what do we need to do to make sure you're meeting all the CDC guidelines and that way we can get these people back to these veteran memorials and, and these uh, military events and VFWs, that sort of thing. Uh, trying to get people congregating again, get back into that culture, because I know that a lot of us veterans, that's our only time we get to actually like speak our mind or speak our, or or tell our story. And uh, that's our way to kind of let some of that stress out and kind of uh, reclaim that brotherhood uh, as we say. So, yeah. Wow. What a, what a gift that you're providing to um, so many, so many people. You're, you are a definitely a huge impact in this world. And um, I'm just thinking like what we had talked about earlier with your, the the loss of your brother. And then um, you came back to Texas. Were you um, choosing a different route before you started a business? Did you go like get a job first and that kind of thing? So when I got out, we tried to start a nonprofit with my brother's memory, kind of pay homage to him. And uh, he was a carpenter by trade. And so we tried to do something with that, but that was not my strong suit. And so obviously it didn't work very well uh, because I wasn't able to run that operation like I wanted to. And I, I didn't have time to learn something when I didn't have a job. Mm. And so I took I took chance to uh, start doing my consulting. And that's kind of how I started working with small businesses, uh, looking at their fire plans and that sort of thing. That kind of just built up from there. Uh, so, yeah, my mom kind of took over the nonprofit uh, for my brother and still runs that kind of a laissez-faire style, but more it's more of a memorial now than a actual nonprofit. So um, it's mostly, you know, her just, uh, you know, going to events and talking about the tragedy and, and being a, a mom that lost a, a young child like that. So Sure. And uh, I kind of just got, went from there and, and grew the business. And in 2013, kind of saw a need for Go Heroes. So I talked to a friend of mine and we, I had the military and fire background and she had some fire background. And so we kind of just launched it from there. You know, when I got out such a short notice, I didn't have time to transition. And so that's what we mainly do in Go Heroes is help with transition. And that goes back to that uh, investing in people. And so we want to take these military veterans, police officers, firefighters that either don't want to be in that field anymore or can't be in that field either due to uh, some trauma or uh, physical issue or something like that. Uh, we want to help them transition. So, uh, for example, myself, I'm 40% disabled from the military. And mm. with my disability, it's not not a visible disability. I just can't be a firefighter anymore. It's it's I can't do what they need to do. And so sure. transitioning out of that, you know, if I was trying to do it now, it would be very difficult. And so if someone else is in that similar situation, we want to help them, you know, obviously get a resume, you know, resume formats change every couple of years. You know, you might Google resume template. Well, you might have a terrible resume template you get and you don't know this kind of stuff, you know, especially if you've been in a career for 10 years and mm-hmm. haven't done job hunting, uh, especially getting out of the military, translating 
oh, I was an infantry guy. Translating that into real world skills is very difficult if you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, you can say I ran around shoot, shooting at people that were shooting at me, but that doesn't translate very well. Uh, you need to kind of, you know, bullet it a little bit better as, you know, you made strategic decisions and high stress environments, that sort of thing. Um, and so it's just wordsmithing the resumes. That's kind of where we start. Uh, we have a, a link on our actual page where you, uh, veterans or first responders can upload their resume right there. It'll email us. Uh, our team will look at it and we'll get with them and kind of show them what they can fix and what they can tweak. Uh, then we go from there. If they want to, we can do mentoring. Uh, most of that's done virtually just because we're such a small team. And so we'll do like Zoom meetings or Skype calls. Uh, to kind of mentor them one-on-one and then uh, help them look for a career. Uh, once again, interviewing in the military or police or fire is a lot different than interviewing in the corporate world. And so we want to try to help them uh, focus on them soft skills and kind of uh, work their way into that interview a little bit better than just going in there and, and saying, give me a job. So, Well, and I can tell that you're, you're extremely passionate about this. Um, I know that the, our listeners can't see the video, but let me just tell you that he lights up when he talks about it. And so I love that you found something that you really found purpose in. Definitely. And I, I use the same skills in my, my day-to-day job also with my, my team members, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm always trying to help them excel and, and, you know, I'll send them jobs I see because I get emails every day for jobs and obviously I'm happy where I'm at and I'll say, hey, you should apply for this. I'm like, oh, I don't think I could do that. I'm like, yeah, you can do it. You know, I'm like, you know, just keep pushing them and and keep them going. So, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's very something I'm very passionate about. Uh, We've gone through a lot of board members. Like I said, we started in 2013. We kind of had a different vision at the time. We wanted to uh, be like the uh, major event planners for all these veteran events and uh, we just didn't see a market there after we tried it a couple of years. And, and so we kind of transitioned into this, uh, okay, well, we'll help people run their events and we'll help veterans transition. And we'll do, um, you know, that the emergency preparedness for veterans and non and, uh, uh, first responder organizations, that sort of thing, uh, rather than trying to do it on our own. Cause we've seen that there's a lot of organizations out there doing this kind of stuff. Uh, but with the rate of transition and the lack of funding, uh, the good thing is we're grassroots. None of us get paid. None of us uh, take a salary. Uh, so if we have expenses for the month, they're just covered by us. And, and they're really low expenses since we don't have an office. We don't have, we do everything virtually from our homes. Uh, you know, so, you know, I see these, these articles about other corporations that are, sorry, other veteran nonprofits that do similar things. And they're all going out of business because they, their funding went down or they lost a, a, spa, a sponsor or a donor. And, uh, and and it's just one less resource for these veterans that are coming out. And honestly, like I said, it's mainly for those that don't get through the transition. Uh, I think the, the, the service branches do a pretty good job at transition from what I've heard. Like I said, I didn't get the experience myself. But when you transition early or you, you've been out for a while already and you're trying to finally transition, uh, you, might, you might need some help. And that's where we want to help them. I love that. I love what you're doing. And, you know, I have something very similar. And so one of the things that I always ask people, uh, you know, is what what lights your soul on fire? And by no means, pun intended, for being a firefighter. But, <laughs> you know, just really like for you, I can kind of see it. But I just want our, our listeners to really hear what is it for you that lights your soul on fire? Oh, just 
leadership. I mean, that's that's my podcast, Leadership Loading. Uh, Go to Heroes is basically a leadership organization where they help people. Uh, all my my whole career is leadership, and actually, I'm in my doctorate right now for leadership, business uh, administration, leadership. Um, so yeah, that's my passion. That's my you know my drive, and even in my day to day, I'm just like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm always leading. You know, I my best friend, I, you know, I, he's in between jobs right now, and I'm always on him about, you know, what's your next step, where you're going, you know, what you're doing, uh, and so. And then even being a father to my four-year-old, uh, I have to, you know, be that leader at the house that I've always been, but, you know, having to do it in a more uh, tactile way with her. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, uh, I think mentorship and leadership kind of go together, but um, that's just my my thing that I think we need to, as leaders, tweak ourselves a little bit more. Uh, I've been studying a lot about servant leadership Mm-hmm. And I know it's been around for a while, but I think there's still something there, which is what I'm going to focus on in my research is there's something there we still need to do. Yeah, there's a, there's this one little thing that's missing. I haven't find it yet. And I'm hoping I can do that in the next three years and uh, put out some some articles. But uh, I think the frontline staff are just not getting it. And if we can push it down a little bit more and then get that into their brains and uh, I think we will see a a trend within the frontline staff, especially in these service industries and and uh, and and those those lower paying jobs that we can uh, hopefully uh, inspire some better leaders and or not better leaders, but you know motivated leaders that will you know come up through the ranks and will be able to to be better. Because I think also with generational changes, we're seeing some issues with uh, the generations now not not necessarily not wanting to work, but they just, they want to work in different industries. And so we're seeing a lot of this, uh, these frontline uh, blue collar jobs that nobody wants to take. And so if we can, can make it more appealing, it will be, it will be a, a, a better life for all of us. And I think we've seen that with coronavirus. You, you see that these are the jobs that we have to have because those are the people still going to work. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you are doing your doctorate on servant leadership. That's one of my all-time passions. I'm a uh, I definitely researched it and, and read on it myself. One of the things that, uh, as in my career, I have noticed is the word service. Literally, is is a dirty becomes a dirty word, right? Yeah. And serving other people is something to do with being weak or, you know, um, beneath a person. And um, I can't wait for you to write the article. And if I can help you in any way, you know, shape or form, I would love to help you out with that. And I'm sure any of our listeners who have some ideas can reach out to you and, and um, you know, you guys can, you know, work to pick, pick their brains, so to speak, brainstorm ideas on that as well. Yeah, definitely not. We have to keep a research journal. And so I'm, um... Anybody that can, even if you contact me now, I'll put you in my journal so that I have you when I need you and we'll go from there. And uh, that kind of goes back to the Air Force core values of integrity first, service before self and excellence and all we do. And the holding company for my my consulting firm is Isolence and it's all those merged together. Mm. And that's kind of why I picked that as the name. And that's when, like you said, is how I lead is, you know, integrity, service and excellence. And so... Yeah, that, that servant leadership is a, a big one, and, and I think uh, 
Ken Blanchard does a good job teaching it. It's just we need to maybe modern, modernizing it maybe, and maybe mm-hmm. that'll help. So I guess we'll just see. Yeah, definitely. So how, so speaking kind of along that same type of integrity, service, and excellence, how important do you think it is to have integrity? Uh, well, it's the first, the first core value sets, so the most one, the most one you need. Um, and of course in the corporate world, we kind of modify it and we call it ethics or we call it a, uh, core value or values or something like that. But yeah, you know, integrity, you know, being a salary worker, if I didn't have integrity, I could really just show up to work and do nothing, Yeah. Uh, you know, and I could do that for probably three or four months before I get fired because I could always, you know, push off projects or, or tell my boss that, you know, a project's taking longer than I thought it did or something like that. And especially with coronavirus, uh, we were told, on Monday, uh, don't come back. And we thought it was going to be maybe two weeks, three weeks. Well, now it's been seven months. Wow. And if you don't have ethics, you can really take advantage of that and just kind of sit around in your pajamas and, and do nothing all day and, and just log into your computer. And I see jokes about this on the internet with these memes and that sort of thing. You know, they're like, Oh, I got a, a, a fan that's pushing my mouse around to make it look like I'm at work. You know, wow. like, you know, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. It, it, so it has to be first, especially uh, if you're in one of those kind of roles. And and if you're any kind of leader, uh, you want to have ethics because or uh, integrity uh, because it can get to you. You know, you can you get you get uh, opportunities where people want to kind of buy your business. And and so there's all these gray areas where you have to make sure that you're not crossing that line and that sort of thing. Um, especially in some of the industries I've been in, you know, these, some of these contracts can be millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, they they think if they take you to lunch that, you know, that's going to guarantee them a contract. And so you kind of, you know, within your policies and procedures, you have to, you know, manage that. And while you're still doing your job as far as networking, that sort of thing, but uh, making sure that's not, you know, uh, compromising your integrity uh, to, you know, give this person a contract or that sort of thing. And that's just on the higher level, the, the director manager level. But even if you're a frontline supervisor, uh, you know, making sure that your integrity is there as far as making sure your staff are doing what they're supposed to do and not, you're not favoring people and that sort of thing. So it's at all levels, mm. but I think, um, you know, that's why it's always the first one for the air force. And, and one of the first things you talk about when you get a new job at a big corporate entity is, you know, that ethics discussion. I love that. It's such a great point. And yeah, I feel like, again, like you mentioned earlier about the, this, the younger generation, um, you know, I think integrity is one of those skills that are never taught. We're never taught to be, you know, take us at our word, you know, and um, do the right thing no matter when, if nobody's looking right. We never, we're not taught that anymore. We're not even taught how to serve really and, and serve with, serve with love. It's not really about just serving because anybody can, you know, serve you as we see every day in customer service. They're not happy, right? They're not having fun and they're, you can shows and it's like, okay, well, why are you even doing your job? You're just collecting a paycheck. Definitely. So yeah, how you got you to love your job. And I, I just wrote a thing for my school about that, about, you know, if you don't love what you do, you're not going to do it with purpose. And so, uh, that kind of goes to the excellence and all we do uh, core value and, and making sure that, it, you know, if you're not there for the, if you don't love what you do, you're not going to do what you want to with purpose. And so it's not going to be done with excellence. And so definitely move on if you don't like what you're doing. 
I agree. And you mentioned the word purpose. So I'm going to touch on that and talk about, you know, what does purpose mean to you and how important is it? And in, in, especially in today's day and age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, my job, you have to have purpose and it gets kind of redundant and, and tedious because you know, someone might ask you a question and it takes you eight or 10 hours to research it uh, because you've got three or four different regulatory agencies. You have to read all their literature on it and, and, you know, if you don't have a purpose or if that's not your purpose, uh, it's going to get real redundant and boring. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even if you're on the front lines, you, you know, I'll, I'll use McDonald's as an example only because that's I've worked there once and I know how it works. But, you know, if you're not doing it with purpose, someone you're, you're, you might ruin somebody's day. And the reason I say that is because I have a story. Uh, I worked at McDonald's and I would always just throw the food in the bag. And I, and we had a chart there that would tell you, okay, it needs to have, if they get a burger, they get two napkins. And then if they get a drink, they get two napkins and a straw. Well, that's there for a reason. And they've figured this out. Well, I would just throw the food in the bag. I'm like, well, they got their food and that's what they need. Well, of course now being an adult and having a kid, I realize once I pull out of there, if it doesn't have the barbecue sauce that she asked for, it's a complete meltdown. And that just runs our whole evening. Yeah. So just something as little as that uh, kind of defines purpose and doing your job with purpose. And so, that, of course, you can imagine at a, you know, $24 million a year company, uh, you know, doing something with purpose could mean that either that company is going to have a profit or a loss for that year or that quarter. And, uh, you know, if you're not doing it with purpose, then you, know, you may even lose that contract. So. Well, I love that you shared that story. And coming from a Kansas City girl, I am totally r- spot on with your daughter. It is all about the right <laughs> barbecue sauce. Right. <laughs> I love that. And you're you're so right. I mean, if we go through life like just not caring, it it becomes uh, almost like why even bother? Like why show up? But yeah. what you just said is just like such a great word picture because. If you do not remember to put not just the barbie the right sauce right in the bag, if that company does not put the right uh, ingredient into their business plan or into their product, it, it, you're going to lose profit absolutely because because not only and all I could think of when you were telling the story was napkins, your kid needs napkins. <laughs> But you went one further and was like, no, it's the barbecue sauce. It's that one ingredient. And for yeah. for me, that's what purpose is. Purpose is that one ingredient that I feel like most people are missing. And so when they find something that they're passionate about, that brings them a whole purpose to help others with that. Definitely. And there's a, there's a big box retailer here in my town. Uh, but we drive to the other branch that's 30 miles away, uh, even though there's one 10 miles away because we have better service there and there's, you know, they're working with a better purpose. Yeah. And we, we just know that the one here is almost always out of what we need. So someone there is not working with purpose and making sure they're ordering the right things when they need it. So we don't even go there anymore. We just go to the other branch. That's, you know, yeah. it's further drive, but it, it saves our, it saves us headaches. So. Agreed. Agreed. I've done that myself. Agreed. So uh, you're doing so many amazing things, not only with um, your business, but with the nonprofit as well and getting your doctorate with leadership. I can't imagine the um, amazing stuff that's going to happen in the next coming years for you. 
So what do you, do you, Jason, want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Uh, just living a life of service. Like we talked about, um, you know, I, I don't want to be remembered as the guy that was everywhere, but I want to be the guy that makes things happen. And, and honestly, now it's all about my daughter. Like I just want to raise her up to be something great. And when she tells me she wants to be a, a doctor or an astronaut, and sometimes she jokes and says, I want to be a teacher, a doctor, and an astronaut. And I was like, well, you can do all three. I'm like, you know, there have been people that have done that. You know, I'm, I'm like, go be a teacher for a while while you go to med school and then go to med school and then go be an astronaut after, you know. And uh, so, and I feed her, I feed her imagination with that. You know, we buy her space things. We buy her, you know, all these space toys and and things. And And that may just be being a father, but, you know, if I can set her up for success that, uh, some things I wasn't set up for, uh, that's my legacy. And I think that's the end goal. But as far as me, you know, just being the guy that made things happen and, you know, I don't want to leave my career or leave my family with someone saying, well, he shouldn't have done that or he shouldn't have done this. Um, I know there's been times I, I replace people at a position and I say, Oh, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And things change, but I don't want to be that guy that, uh, has the finger pointed at him. And so, um, uh, if I can just serve people, serve my stakeholders, serve my community, uh, the best I can. And, and then I can leave the world happy. And I'm sure you will. <laughs> so, um, we just had such a great visit today and I know that, um, our listeners are being, are going, well, wait, where can I, where can I listen to find out more information? Where can I uh, connect with you? Where can they connect with you to be that uh, person that you talk to about your leadership um, dissertation? So is uh, there a website or social media links that you can, where you can be found on? Yep, definitely. Uh, JasonMcLaren.info. That'll take you to my landing page. There's a free uh, leadership course there for those that uh, just want to learn, you know, if you're a frontline staff and you just want to learn what the next step up does, uh, it takes probably 30, 45 minutes to take it. It's all free. Uh, I don't even think I asked for an email on there. Just take it and learn something. But once you go there, you can click on the links and kind of find me. There's uh, links to my email and that sort of thing on there. Goheroes.org will get you to the Go Heroes site directly, even though I believe there's a link on the Go Chase McLaren on info. Uh, but that'll take you there where the podcast is. We can hear some more leadership tips. And just uh, most of my links are on there. Or just search me on the internet. On Google, Jason McLaren, you'll find everything about me. I'm out there. So Awesome. And what is the name of your podcast that people can listen to? It's called Leadership Loading. Uh, kind of kind of a play on that we load information on computers. So you're loading the leadership into your brain and kind of uh, going from there. Awesome. I love that. And, uh, and like, I, like we said, I was honored to be a guest just last week. So yep. um Jason, thank you so much for your time, for your amazing answers and conversation. And I always like to leave with this question of what um, phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? If I had to pick one, it'd be uh, Deuteronomy 24. It's a Bible verse. uh, For the Lord goes with you against your enemies to bring you victory. Uh, I think that really sums up my life. I I, I was a guest on a podcast um, called Blessedimony, and... I was able to kind of share my testimony there, more of the, the religious side of what we talked about today and how I've had a lot of enemies growing up and, and going through my career, as you can tell from what I told, talked about today. And uh, that's kind of my mantra there. And so that kind of 
uh, is my one, my go-to. Oh, and it's so perfect. And, and, you know, that's the thing I love about being able to do a podcast is that you get all walks of life and almost everyone has either a, a Bible verse or something spiritual to say when they answer that question. So um, thank you for, for sharing. Well, thank you. And like he said, you can get in touch with him at jasonmclaren.info. Well, thank you for being here today, Jason. Thank you. Hey, don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.